Welcome all fellow wannabes, welcome to the show. You are listening to Game Club from Wannabe Critic Productions. I am one of your hosts, Gabriel Fast. Actually, you know what? I am your host, Gabriel Fast, because there's no real true co-host to this show. I have guests on, and we play video games together, you know what I mean? So I am your host, Gabriel Fast, and joining me today is a fellow wannabe from the Wannabe Critic Podcast, Caleb Henley. Caleb, how are you? Doing good. What's up, everybody? Yeah, what is up, everybody? It has been uh, a long time coming to have this conversation, Caleb, because, and you, you know what it, you know what it was? You know what put it in the coffin for me? You know, I, I'm, a, I'm not a very competitive person, really, but I'm slightly competitive, and uh-huh. whenever whenever it comes to certain things, so when you hit me up and you're like, "Hey, I got the platinum trophy for Horizon," I was like, "Huh, okay." Now I have to kill him. <laughs> you know what, though, it's it's your own fault. You got you're the one that got me on the whole platinum trophy thing, and uh, like you knew going into that that one of my favorite games is Horizon. So yeah, you kind of did that to yourself. <laughs> I did, and I forced myself to get the platinum trophy. So now we're on par. We're even. But I think you've actually yeah. you've got you've done more in the Frozen Wilds than I have. But I still have the platinum for the game. So whatever. But here we are. We're here to talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to be one thousand percent completely transparent with you. If you know me at all, even if you've listened to just a, a, we talk about Horizon all the time on the show. It comes up all the time. That one, Breath of the Wild. I talk about those two games, and they're synonymous almost at this point because they were released so close together, right? Back in 2016, I believe. Um, it was, or no, 2017. It was right before I was about to get married. I purchased both of those games like just a couple weeks before I was about to get married, and I tried to play them both at the same time biggest mistake of my life because I ended up resenting um I ended up resenting uh Breath of the Wild because I wanted to play Horizon more because Horizon was really drawing me more and then whenever I inadvertently decided to put down Horizon to focus more on Zelda then whenever I tried to go back to Horizon I was even more mad so it just kind of like you know I was toxic on both of those games for so long and as you know, if, if you followed the you know the, my tw- if you follow me on Twitter uh, at the wannabe critic, you will know that I have recently reviewed the the game on YouTube. So, um, Caleb, I have to ask you, did you watch that review by chance? I did actually. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. I thought you, I thought you did a good job reviewing. I thought you gave it a very fair, very fair fair review. Okay, I, good because I, I wanted to be you, you you know we talked about this the other day on the show of even if I'm irritated with a specific thing or if something like is, you know, annoying to me, it doesn't mean that necessarily everyone else is going to pick up on that same thing. But I do think, you know, a a good theme to run with of, of, you know, the stuff that we review on the Wannabe Critic podcast, it's always kind of good because, you know, if even if I did get a job reviewing things in some way, shape or form, like I'd still have the Wannabe Critic podcast and... You know, even if I was getting paid to give my thoughts about something, we'd still have this podcast because at the end of the day, we all have opinions, right? So what I wanted to do is make sure we start taking the Metacritic into consideration anytime we review something and just kind of talk about the score and talk about like, hey, do we agree why, why this thing gets this score? Do we agree what with what not only the critics are saying, but with what the users are saying, you know? Um and I think that's going to be a good element. But you mentioned that this is like your favorite game. Is that true? Uh, yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of nostalgic games, especially from my childhood, um, that hit really different, um, and have a really 
special place in my heart. But as an adult, I would say that Horizon Zero Dawn is is my favorite video game. Okay, that's that's comforting to hear because, you know, I think it's fair to say I think I've played more games than you have. You know, that's like the main thing I do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're in, you're, yeah, you're really yeah. into sports and you got that going on. You know, games have been kind of my biggest thing for a long time. But it's so comforting to hear you say you are like the target audience for what Horizon was trying to do. Horizon was trying to get semi, you know, not even hardcore gamers, but like anywhere from hardcore gamers to semi-casual to like semi like in the middle gamers to love this game and enjoy this game. And I'll tell you something right now. I'm going to make a big comparison here, right? Back in the day, they had a game like that too that did the exact same thing. No matter how hardcore you were or, you know, how casual you were, there was this game that kind of hit right in the middle that just kind of hit a sweet spot. And then back in the day, if you went to go buy a PS3 just so you could play this game, no one was going to make fun of you. They were going to say, good job. Do you know what that game is? Uh, I'm guessing it's Uncharted 2. Uncharted 2. Horizon Zero Dawn is the Uncharted 2 of the PS4. I think you're totally accurate there. I mean, those Uncharted games, especially 2, um, 3 holds a special spot in my heart too. But um, I think, yeah, you'd buy a system just for that game. And you're totally justified in doing that. And if that was even just the one game that you owned, it's such a cinematic experience um and i think they're the horizon and the uncharted games are so comparable just based on story alone and i think you could turn either of those games into a movie and it would be super entertaining and i think that's a, why it's such a draw both to your laid-back video game players and the hardcore fans i think it's because the story is so good and it's such a cinematic experience that is very eloquently put. Very well said. It's funny, though, that there's so many direct comparisons in terms of just plot devices and um, characters that hit in a similar way as both of those games do. And we're going to get into it. I love Uncharted 2. I would argue it's probably... It, I would argue Uncharted 2 and Uncharted 4, are, you know, it'd probably go Uncharted 2, then 4 for me. Um because I, I do think that there is a level of innovation and a level of just overall storytelling that kind of are synonymous with two and four. Um, they just are the kind of the standouts in my opinion, but I wouldn't call uncharted Two a perfect game. I wouldn't call horizon a perfect game or even a near perfect game. Like it, they are very, very solid games. I would, I give it like a B plus or a minus or something on the, yeah, the I think it was video. A B plus. Yeah. B plus. Yeah. So really fast, and I'm going to get into this, I'm continuing, and we're going to bring the Metacritic score into this. Horizon Zero Dawn currently sits at an 89 Metascore on Metacritic. Yeah, B+. Um, the user score is 8.4. So, B. yeah, yeah, solid B, I would say. Let's look up what Uncharted 2 is really, really fast. I'm going oh, to type I, it in. Yeah. Yeah, or actually, do you mind to actually look that up for, for me while I kind of vamp for a second and kind yeah. of explain my point? Yeah. So one thing that I talked about in my review was, although I really did enjoy my time with Horizon, I spent over, I've spent so far, I'm going to go back to it, and I'm tempted to go through New Game Plus as well as um, Frozen Wilds, but, and we, we, which we're going to review Frozen Wilds on, um, you know, on the next part of game, uh, you know, the next part of this particular thing, but... 
in her in Uncharted Two, I wasn't really crazy. I'm, I've never been a, a huge Nathan Drake fan. Like he moves the story along. Like he's funny. He's fine. But I'm not like endeared to him in, in a in a way that a lot of people are. Like he definitely feels like just kind of the blockbuster hero. You know, that's just kind of I don't want to say kind of there because that's not true. But I don't necessarily relate to him the same way as I relate to like, you know, like Joel from The Last of Us or, you know, even the the dude from Ghost of Tsushima or, or you know, like it doesn't connect with me that way. And I, I had a very similar feeling with Aloy as well. But that doesn't mean that the game suffers, uh, you know, hugely because of that. What does Uncharted 2 have on Metacritic? Uh, a 96 um, critic score. Um, okay. So that's super high. That's um, very high. And I, I figured it would be because I'm pretty sure, I mean, most top video game lists have Uncharted 2, like within like the top 10 or top 20. Like, yeah, it's it's an iconic game. Um, and then the user score is 8.8. 8. 8. 8. So that's not, yeah, that's not too much higher than Horizon. Yeah. And I would say that the user score, like if you're given, I mean, while I, while I do see, here's the, here's the thing too, and here's the funny part of Wannabe Critic Productions and how you know, just our, our overall mentality on things is just kind of interesting. Do I understand why big outlets like IGN or so-and-so are going to give a game like Horizon or a game like Uncharted 2 a 9 out of 10? Yeah, I do. Because they're playing those games with the intent to sell it to the masses. Whereas with Metascore, it's a little more generalized in terms of how many people who have actually reviewed the game critically you know, put, put their stuff in and it's just kind of, you kind of see what the overall score is from everybody. It's averaged out. Right. Do what, do I see why people would give a game like Uncharted 2 and Horizon an 8.4 or an 8.8? Yeah, I do. Because I think that's a more realistic score of what you can expect. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to sell copies of a game. If you are, have two games, if let's, let's, okay, let's just throw this out there. Let's say you put Uncharted, and I will say, I think Horizon 2 is a better game than Uncharted 2. Even though they're objectively different, I would rather play a game like Horizon over a game like Uncharted. Just throwing that out there. Um, if you see Uncharted 2 with a 9 out of 10, and then you see Horizon with an 8.5 out of 10, which one as a general consumer do you think, you know, and I'm talking like mom, moms and dads are like, hey, what game should I get my kid? And those are the two options. What do you see yourself paying for? The one with a 9 on it or the one with an 8.5 on it? I mean, be stupid not to say the 9. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, but both of these games, you know, have all these accolades on, on the boxes and stuff like that. As stuff's coming out, 9 out of 10, breathtaking, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, they pro those, those people probably ended up buying both. Do we get mad at that as gamers? And, like, do we get upset at that, uh, seeing those numbers on the box like that? Like, as you, you as a gamer, do you feel like this game deserves an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10? Like, are those two numbers, like, in a way kind of synonymous to you? What do you think? Yeah, no, I think so. To me, there's a difference between a 9 out of a 10 and an 8 out of 10 game. Um, I think an 8 out of a 10 game is, you know, it's a solid game. But it's not something that is going to carve out um, a major piece of um, pop culture and be like this legacy game that's talked about for years. Um, you know, we can talk about Uncharted 2 and everyone knows what that is because it's a legacy game that everyone's played. Everyone knows it's an, uh, a historic game. 
Um, and it's like become almost a part of pop culture. And I feel like Horizon's probably going to get there um, at a certain point. But I don't think, I think that if you're faulting games for having on the box a bunch of reviews and, you know, high scores on it, and you're faulting games for that, there might be something a little wrong with you. You might have a little bit too much time on your hands. <laughs> like, yeah, come no. on. <laughs> like, yeah, no, play I... the game and have fun with it. I don't know. I, that's never been something that's influenced me from buying a game either. Is like, you know, how many scores are on the cover, but like, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I was just kind of, yeah, and I'm, I totally agree with you. I'm just saying, you know, mom and dad goes into GameStop and they see all this stuff on there and, the, you know, the store clerk is recommending it. It's like, oh, well, yeah, obviously it's going to sell a bunch of copies of a game, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, that was just kind of like a, just like a, a what-if type scenario, but yeah. I completely agree with you. I think Horizon is going to get there eventually. Yeah. In either way, I do think that Horizon is a game that everybody should experience. Yeah. That being said, there is things wrong with it. And I there was there wasn't a a part of me, you know, and you might I don't know, you might disagree with me. We haven't really fleshed this conversation out as much. We've kind of skirted along it. But mm-hmm. I I loved I end up I ended up loving Horizon, but it wasn't until like the last 10 or 15 hours where I was like, okay, like it, it kind of left me with a stinger. You know what I mean? Of like, yeah. okay, this experience and this thing that I've worked up to and I finally have understood like what's the best combat route to take and like what's the best combat scenarios, like what's the best arrows to use, stuff like that. It wasn't until like the last 10 or 15 hours where I really felt that. Um, did you have a similar experience just out of curiosity? What was your kind of... Yeah, so I think that's the thing is it's such a unique um, combat system and a neat, such a unique world, um, and it takes a while to get used to it. But once you figure it out and you figure out a combat system, it's so rewarding. So it's funny, just you know, going to your review of um, that you put on YouTube of Horizon, you talk about glint hawks and how annoying glint hawks are, and if you've played Horizon, you know what a glint hawk is and um you talk about how difficult they are to kill and how difficult they are to hit but and there's also just tons of them throughout the game they're just always popping up um to me you know once you figure out how to take them down it's not a big deal because like for me like taking down a glint hawk is super easy once you figure out like okay i need this combination of like you know just as long as i just hit them with like three fire arrows i'm good and then they're down and it's fine it's not that big of a deal and you kind of figure out like okay what's their move pattern and like what do they do you know are they gonna like stop and like figure it out and i think that's the thing with and that goes for all of the machines is once you figure out their patterns and the way that they act and then the combinations that you can use to you know take them down um it adds a certain level of like you know you accomplishment when you actually figure that out and you take them out because yeah if you're a noob and you go in there and you're just figuring out the mechanics of how the game actually runs and how the gameplay works it's frustrating because you're going to run into a snap maw and get destroyed and you know you're gonna be like how in the world could i ever you know you know kill this thing but then once you figure out well, like okay well this is how you know to do it um then it's super rewarding and it's it's really cool because constantly throughout the game you're running into bigger and bigger machines and tougher obstacles and it's always giving you something new to work towards 
And at first it's super frustrating, but then you have that accomplishment of finally figuring it out and it all just comes together. And it's just like, uh, it's like a, it's, it's such a good feeling of actually figuring it out that I think it's actually pretty well balanced. That's interesting that you say that, you know, and also just to quote myself in the review, you're right. It isn't a challenging, um, you know, enemy to come across like the Glen talks. However, you know, there is a certain sense of danger within the game at all times. Like you are not yeah. safe as you're traveling. Yeah. It's like, well, frick, you know what I mean? You're never um, safe. You're never safe. There's enemies everywhere. So once you, you're kind of forced into figuring that out. I do think that there are certain, um, machines that end up being a little more uh, annoying feels like a harsh word to use, but they feel annoying because, you know, whenever you're coming up against a charger or you're coming up against, you know, a, uh, a watcher or whatever, those are relatively easy to escape. But you take something like a Glintock into consideration where there's not just usually one, there's usually a flock of them. The, it's, it's you know, I feel like I'm constantly spamming circle like, oh, God, please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. You know what I mean? And because yeah. just there's just no getting around. I'm like, you're forced into fighting them in a way. Whereas in a lot of the other... Whereas a lot of the other, you're not, you're not forced into it, but I would say in a lot of scenarios, it's like, okay, well, these guys aren't going to leave me alone. I got to freaking kill them here. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But, you know, you talk about like the land machines, like a charger, like a watcher or whatever. You can, you can run away from those pretty easily and they're not going to chase you for very long, mm -hmm. but a Glintock will. Yeah. So while it is rewarding and it's not, it doesn't get annoying until the very, you know, last three quarters of the game or the last quarter of the game, excuse me, um, to where it's like, okay, I'm getting sick of these birds. And that, that might just be a personal gripe. And that, you know, that might just be a, a personal thing. Um, but I feel like for the average gamer, you know, that, that could be potentially something that does feel a little worn out by the time you get to the last 20, 15 hours of the game, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I think that totally does. To me, and maybe this is just me, the way I take it, and maybe it's a way other people take it, is I think um, just going into immersion into the world and into the game, I think that that sense of danger and almost that annoyance, and this is sounds might sound weird, um, it to me, it helps me be better immersed into the world and into the game. Because you're getting to feel that almost that feeling that she does and you feel like this this world is so dangerous and so you always have to be on your toes and to survive like Aloy has to do is you have to be really good and knowledgeable and skilled. Um, and it does a really good job of like helping you kind of build up that skill and to the point of like I can travel throughout that world and not worry about you know dying from a random animal or having to you know button mash circle because eventually you figure out well i can do this and this and this and then it kind of it it adds to the immersion at least to me but i can understand where you know that's not going to appeal to everybody at a certain point things you know people have different attention spans and different annoyance levels and different patient levels so i can definitely see where it could become annoying to certain to different people yeah, that's well said. And, you know, we we also get into interesting territory where, where this is the first open world game you've ever played, right? Uh, I mean, I've played a lot of open world racers. I know that definitely doesn't necessarily qualify. I'm trying to think if I've ever played an open world game that wasn't a racer. Uh, probably not. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I guess you're right. 
I guess the closest thing would probably be Destiny. Like whenever I really yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um. You know, no, that's and, definitely not. That's definitely not the same. Like not yeah, close. it's a completely different thing. But just to use like a comparison, whenever you're traveling around in Destiny and you see an enemy. You know, it's like, oh, well, I got to kill these guys, whatever. You just kind of have this mentality, like, I can't let you live. You know what I mean? Um, whatever it might be. And, you know, certain enemies are more annoying than others. I don't, I don't think it's just fun to just... It doesn't be, always become a challenge. It, it, beca- it doesn't always become a challenge to, like, eliminate an enemy as much as it is to be like, okay, I, I got to go through this guy to get to the next objective, right? Yeah, because um, it's gonna, it's the easiest course for me to do it. Exactly. <laughs> like <that>. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and there are plenty of scenarios where certain enemies, you know, it's like, okay, well, this isn't really a challenge. I know exactly how to kill this guy or this Glintock or this group of enemies or whatever. There would be so many times traveling on along in the game. This is where my personal irritation came from, and I, I don't I don't dislike fighting Glintocks in certain scenarios. That makes sense. It would be whenever I'm trying to climb up a freaking whatever to get a metal flower or. You know, all those like little tiny things that's like, okay, I got to go up to this freaking place to get this collectible, to do this thing, the Banuke figures, whatever. There's yeah. always Glintocks there. So if you're, a co- <laughs> if you're a completionist and you want to like get everything and get the platinum, it's like, frick, always with the, always with the Glintox, you know what I mean? And that might be why it always felt that way to me because what I did was before I even got to Meridian, the main city, I went through across the entire map and got every collectible. All of it. Well, I went to all the tall necks, unlocked every piece of the map first. That means that if, you're probably doing everything like super um, under leveled and underpowered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and also, but make it that much more frustrating. <laughs> well, you know, I played a lot of games like this, so I kind of know in some yeah. areas it would be like it would take a couple more tries. But usually, my mentality would be okay, hit every fire that I can on the way there so I can save. You know, climb the tall neck. If I get shot twice by anyone around here, I'm dead. So I would get in, you know, I made sure I had plenty of fast travel kits, did my thing, get the, go to the next tall neck, fast travel back, and then, you know, do whatever I could. And if I was so under leveled, you know, cause by that point I was like level 25, 26. So you can pretty much hold your own. Cause I mean, none of the, none of the, um, missions get anywhere above level 30 something. Right. So there were definitely areas that were much more harder than others, but in that same hat, I've played a lot of games, you know, so there'd be certain scenarios where a machine would be over leveled or, you know, way higher level than me. And if I killed it, then I'd get way more experience points. Right. So once I was able to get in the frozen wilds and do a couple of those missions before I actually beat the game, that really was a boost too. So I actually did about half of it, went and did a little bit of the frozen wilds missions, came back by that point, I'm like level 35, so yeah. then I then I finished doing everything else. Then I focused on the main story, which, spoiler alert, there actually isn't a, there actually isn't that many like main quest stuff in the game. Like it's mostly um, side like exterior stuff that you can do that makes up a general portion or the biggest portion of what you can experience in the main game. Yeah, um, I would say I guess so. I mean, there's plenty of content there. Um, oh yeah, there's a just, lot. And I think it's going, what it does a good job too, is I think that if you're not a completionist, um, there's enough content there to where you can focus on only the content that appeals to you. Yes. Um, like I know the first time I ever played through the game and completed it, I, uh, I never went and like hunted uh, the um, red maw thing, the giant um, 
Oh, the Thunderjaw? Yeah, I, I, or yeah, I never went and hunted him because I didn't even know that was like a thing. And just like, I'll just keep doing the story. Like, I didn't care. Or I didn't do any of the hunting grounds or anything like that because I was like, that doesn't super appeal to me. Right. That you said that that was like one of your favorite things that you liked in the game was the hunting grounds. Yeah, totally. But to me, I was like, man, this seems just so tedious, and that's not really my thing. Is like, I'm I'm in this for the story, you know? Right. And the, but the hunting grounds, they're they're great. It's just like that didn't appeal to me on my first playthrough. Um, and I think that's the thing that's cool about this game is that it's, the story isn't so long that it's going to like drag out and just be like, ugh, like you know, where you're just like dreading like having to go back into the game. It's short enough to where you can go in and experience it while also devoting other time to aspects of the game and um, not feeling overwhelmed or like there's just too much there. And I think that's a problem that a lot of open world games have is that there's just so much there that it's overwhelming and there's just no way that you could ever go in and do everything and then things start to feel tedious. And I think that this does a pretty good job of balancing it to where you can, there's plenty of stuff to do but it never necessarily feels completely overwhelming. And it's not like the story is dragging on forever. If that makes any sense. That totally makes sense. And that's a great point because I've been saying for years, for years, and I stand by this because I, I understand you've probably never played Skyrim. That's fine. Skyrim, in my opinion, is probably the greatest RPG ever made for that exact same thing that you just said the world doesn't feel so overly huge that you don't feel like you can't see everything. And within this relatively well-contained, well-put-together world, there are so many little, little things you can go do. And there's also, you know, your main story, which isn't too terribly long, but then you have all these side branches and side quests and all these things you can do that, you know, make you feel like you got, like, a whole other game. Like, the, the hunting trials, which was my favorite part, I thought it was going to suck at first. That became my favorite thing to do. That was like the first <laughs> side quest that I completed until I had to kill Red Maw. I had to wait a little bit to do that because I was too low level. But that was freaking amazing. What I actually did was I would wait and then batch all of my quests together that were in a certain specific area. And then I'd go do all of those quests at one time and then move on to the next thing after that. So... You know, I was relatively just kind of jumping around from area to area in the game, kind of completing all of the quests as I was doing them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but as I'm playing Horizon, I'm feeling like I'm in Skyrim in a way because mm -hmm. it gave me that same feeling of I can make this game be just about whatever I want with the caveat of I didn't create my character. You know, I'm playing as Aloy. That's right. the only, that's the difference. You know, very much kind of like, you know, they make the comparison like, a, you know, Geralt from The Witcher or, um, you know, Cassandra or Alexios from the newest Assassin's Creed games or whatever. It's a very similar type of structure, but it's more concise within the world. Like you don't have so much a big, you know, so big of a, of a, a thing where you don't feel like you can complete it all, you know? And I do think that that is a major flaw in some of these games. But this, in terms of the world and like just the aesthetic and the way the world makes you feel while you're in the world, the cauldrons might be one of the coolest things in video games ever. Yep, I completely um, agree. And like, I love that each one is unique too, which is amazing. Yes. I, I really liked how in some of them um, it shows that they've basically been like broken into. Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, by whether it's by the Shadow Karja or by whatever. And 
that combination of like this, you know, super advanced technology with like super ancient technology. And yeah. I think that's one of the cool things. I mean, the whole aesthetic of the game is just so unique because it's like that. It's a combination of what life would have been like, you know, three or 4,000 years ago combined with what life is like, you know, basically 50 years from now and uh, hypothetically. So yeah, it's such a crazy combination that, um, it really adds to the aesthetic and like one of my favorite things um about the aesthetic too is you have all of these um you know different tribes and they all have like these different beliefs and like um trying to understand these different things and understand what the machines and the cauldrons and the ancient ones and all of the stuff and then realizing it's like they believe it like that because it's actually it's all technology that they just don't understand and it's like they're worshiping, you know, this technology that they just don't understand. It's behind, beyond their comprehension because it's like two completely different time zones or time periods. I love that aspect of it. And uh, just there's so much there. And as you're going through the story and you're discovering and it's like you're piecing this puzzle together to where eventually it makes sense. And it's just like it's so it's such a cool experience that I've never really had with a game where it's like, I just want to go from the next point to the next just to learn more about this world that I'm in. It's just super, super cool. I feel the exact same way about the world. And yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head and the mystery. And this is probably the point in the review where if you haven't played Horizon Zero Dawn, we are going to spoil it hard mm -hmm. um, or there's potential for it to be spoiled hard. We don't go into here's the thing. We don't have a, a sketch. We don't have notes here. There is no notes at win game club. OK, we go off the fly because that's how it should be you should have a relative you know idea of what you want to talk about well caleb has notes i don't um no this i'm showing that this page is completely blank oh it's blank <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is a no notes show no nonsense all right we what do you think this is the wannabe critic podcast or something god um we there's so much there and this is how picking a good game and this could should just goes to show just how good the game really is there's so much to talk about here. There are so many elements to really dive into, but, um, you know, I just wanted to, to make sure we double back. There is potential for it to be spoiled at some point in time. Not sure what's going to happen. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about, you know, kind of the mystery uh, surrounding the world and kind of what the overall, what, what do you see the overall message that this game is trying to tell you? Um, um message. Like what is what is Horizon Zero Dawn trying to say about society and humanity? In your um, opinion, probably, it's probably just to like, um, be careful with, um, what you're doing, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking of like what got them to that place that they find themselves in the game. It's like, don't be a complete um capitalistic jerk <laughs> that ends up um basically turning in the world into an overrun planet of killer robot monsters <laughs> <laughs> of terminators um, yeah of terminators don't I, don't be the guy that starts skynet basically <laughs> yeah exactly um i'm gonna take i'm gonna take a stab at it and i want you to just yeah. kind of like see it you know so you think about yeah. your your cell phone 
right? You think about all the technology, the advances, the fact that we're able to have this converse conversation and present the show to our listeners, to our audience in such a fidelity as like, okay, it feels like I'm in the room with these guys kind of, right? How mankind has spent so much of its time devoted to the advancement of technology to show that in the grand scheme of things, like for a lot of people, a lot of people are atheist or don't believe there is a God. They're, they only put faith into what like they can create with their own hands, with what's tangible, right? It just goes to show that the mentality that they had whenever they started the project and like what the overall goal was to, you know, like with what the initiative was, you know, hey, like these robots just kind of keeping them around for for whatever purpose, for war, these war machines, all this stuff, this weird initiative to keep these things going. It was almost like the technology became like a god to them, something that they could easily yeah. worship. Yep. And that was whenever the technology was advanced. And it's so interesting the way they present the idea of religion in the game being the exact same thing in its most primal state of worshiping this technology as a god, like the All-Mother yep. is doing this thing. And that, to me... You don't put that in a game like this and and say and try and have a message like that without trying to prove a point. You can be religious and appreciate this game for what it is and say like, "Yeah, we used technology as our god and look where it look look where it got us." So, to me, it's like you have people in this game, all these different tribes, you know, whether it be the Shadow Karja using it for a force for bad or, you know, the the Nora kind of using it as a as what it was intended for, I guess, like uh, Gaia, the, the artificial intelligence, the, the the remapping program of the world and stuff like that. You have them kind of taking it as what it should be in a way. It's just really interesting to see that there's such a beautiful world in the game to be enjoyed, yet so much emphasis was put on stuff that mankind made themselves. And I, go ahead. No, I think kind of go along with your point. There is such an emphasis on technology um but the technology is the source to all of the problems in the game as well um so i think that their emphasis or maybe what they're going at is like having this technology as like your pure pursuit and emphasis is not going to lead anywhere what really matters is the people and you kind of take this journey with aloy where she starts out um where she's only been around one person for her entire life but then throughout the game, she's coming into contact with more and more and more people. And then when you get to that final battle, um, you have this, you know, group of people that are there fighting alongside you and with you. Um, and that's what's actually important is the people that are in your life um, and that are surrounding you. Um, not the technology, not the machines, not all of that. Um, it's the people that are with you and surrounded you and the relationships that you have. And I think that might be a little bit of the theme as well is like, Oh, it's for not sure. so much about, yeah, it's not so much. It's not the technology because look where that leads, but it's the people. Well, and you have that, all these, the relationships yeah. you have. Yeah, exactly. And you have all these different people that you've helped and you've been a part of. And like, you know, it's not like they're just some primal, you know, idiots or whatever. It was kind of interesting, like Meridian kind of having the stereotypical, like, kingdom vibe to it, like the Red Keep almost. Like, it kind of had a a very distinct aesthetic to it where it's like, hey, they they have advanced technology, so to speak, here. Or the, it was interesting. Or the Osirum. 
Like, yeah, exactly. You know, they've they've built like these uh, cannons, these like sonic cannons and stuff. It's like they kind of understand the technology, but it's still like very primitive. Yes, exactly. But even then, like there's all these different quests that revolve around helping people, like revolve yeah. around being, uh, you know, having a sense of community, you know, which is what we should have emphasis on. It's like you use technology and that's what Aloy does. Is she uses the technology around her and manipulates the technology around her to help people. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I think we're, we're definitely touching on what the, the main themes of the game are and like are doing a good job of expounding on that. But I want to I want to shift a little bit. And if it comes up again, that's great. But I wanted to shift a little bit to Aloy. Um. I, the first time I played this game, I did not connect with Aloy at all. At all. Zero. I was like, you are the most useless character in a game I've ever seen. Like, not useless, just like, I just, you are not brimming with personality at all. But after playing the game and spending more time with it and really trying to put myself in this world and not being preoccupied with whatever and like actually being able to focus on what the game was trying to do... I have a little bit more of a soft spot for Aloy. I still don't connect with her as much, but like it feels like the type of person to where in if in real life, like I got along with this person, yet yet they were a little bit off, or like maybe there was a little bit of a disconnect with with a relationship or whatever, I would still want that person around and like I would still want to be around that person. I just don't know if I'd be best friends with them, you know what I mean? And that's kind of how it felt with Aloy a little bit for me. Like, whenever I finished Red Dead 2, I felt... Spoilers for Red Dead Redemption 2, for you too, Caleb. I don't know if you're ever going to play that game, but whatever. I felt like a friend died at the end of that game. Like, I felt horrible. Like, I felt like someone that I really connected with on a lot, in a lot of ways was gone. Like, and it was a very crushing feeling. Whereas with Aloy, I just don't really connect with her as much in that way. And she has too much plot armor to ever lose her life. Like, there's no way you can kill Aloy. It's not going to happen. Like, and that's fine. She is She is very much like the new Nathan Drake. Like, the only way we're ever going to stop seeing Aloy is if they decide to send her out like they did Nathan Drake. And that's fine. But I just... I, I'm down with what Aloy's doing. Like, I totally believe in it. I'm I'm glad that I took the time to spend with her as a character. And I'm glad I saw the decisions that she made. And whenever you had a choice to be a certain way, and whenever I was, like, you know, the violent type and did that, like, I felt justified in that. I felt justified in saying, like, yeah, Aloy, like, get revenge on this guy that killed Rost, right? Uh, you know, no no sympathy. In any one of those scenarios, though, I totally buy that she would have done any of those ways that you decide to go, you know, in those types of situations, which is a really cool feeling. So I wanted to ask you, like, what was your experience with Aloy? Did you feel like she was kind of like a clo- like uh, using the term friend is, is weird, I know, but you get what I'm saying. Like, it's a good comparison. Yeah. It's good to think of it that way. How, how did yeah. Aloy affect you, like, as a player? Well, I think it's awesome. Um again, and I think this helps with the immersion, is like you're along this journey with her because she's had an extremely sheltered um, childhood. Um, so she doesn't know a whole lot about the world. And as you are, you know, progressing through the game, you're finding out stuff along with her. And I think that 
does a really good job of just, you know, putting you there in her shoes. And it's also kind of amazing because as you're going through the game, and I think this happens with a lot of games, you're experiencing having these interactions with, you know, NPCs. Uh, you can be there and be like, man, why in the world is it like this? Like, what's the, you know, what's the deal? Like, why in the world do things have to happen this way? Or why is this happening? And what's one of my favorite parts of Aloy is, you know, <laughs> she's been so sheltered and she doesn't understand things just like you are kind of don't understand it. And she calls people out on their like ridiculousness <laughs> and like on how stupid they are and what they're doing. And it's so kind of hilarious to me that, you know, she's, you know, doing that. And she's almost like, you know, this Messiah in a sense of, you know, going around and kind of making everything's right and having to be the one that's fixing everyone's problems. And, uh, because she has almost, you know, she has a better understanding of everything that's happening than anybody else mm -hmm. because she is like this chosen person right. in the game. And um, I think it's kind of a cool way that they go about doing that. And it's like you're progressing through the story with her. And I don't think that you all get that from um, every game. Um, you know, if you're playing as a person, um, there's a chance that, you might not be progressing through the game with that person. You're just playing as them. And I think that as Aloy, like you're truly progressing through that world, learning more things and having similar reactions that she's having as you're going through the game, which is, I think is really, really cool. That's beautifully said because, and that's how, you know, you have a good character. And, and, you know, I, 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 I talked about a little bit ago, like I did not connect with her the first time, like whatever, Gabe from three or four years she's ago. Cold. Is like, she's kind of cold. She yeah. she is, but there's a reason for it, you know? Yeah. Gabe from three year or four years ago, pre-marriage Gabe that doesn't understand ladies at all, <laughs> has a completely different perspective, per perspective about Aloy, right? Yeah. Come back to no, this game after three. Come back to this game after three years of marriage. Aloy was outcast. As an orphan, why is this happening to me? Like, whatever. She's with Rost, which you gotta imagine what kind of situations. Like, this is an old, like, this is a, an old like hunter dude, like, teaching her how to kill stuff and doing this thing. The weirdest childhood you could probably possibly imagine. Then, whenever she does finally have a chance to be a part of some sort of society or you know civilization, like have some sort of acceptance, a chance for acceptance. Everyone around her dies, like. At the proving, all of her, all the people around the same age as her die for reasons unbeknownst to her. The person that she's had in her life the entire time dies right in front of her. And it's like, okay, well, this just became very personal. Aloy, in my opinion, Aloy has one specific goal in mind in this game. And this is like, I'm going to kill you. That's the goal. If you think there's any other main goal, I don't know if I can agree with that. But to get to that place, she has to have all these interactions with all these different people, and she's forced into uncomfortable situations. And pro pro frankly, there's certain dialogue where I'm like, ooh, like that, you know, she does, she, for one, she's had an advanced learning her entire life with the focus, learning the history, you know, like learning about stuff, doing this thing. And she, she is smarter than it. Like she is smarter than everybody. Like that's, that's probably mean to say, but just as far, I'm sorry, she's probably more intelligent than everybody else in that world. So whenever she does kind of come into those situations of where that dialogue does seem a little cringy and it does seem a little cold and it's like, oh, you're an ice queen. You know what I mean? Like 
in a way it feels warranted in a big way it does feel warranted because she is smarter than they are mm-hmm. but i wouldn't i wouldn't be and, and I appreciate the game for this, but as a player, it is kind of frustrating because if I don't c- completely connect with the the character, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to show empathy, anyways. But it's hard for me to empathize with the fact that not only is she a girl, but she has been in a completely set of circum different set of circumstances than I have ever been in. You know what I mean? So I think that might be where the disconnect is. But that doesn't mean I don't understand why she's doing those things and why they happen. So I applaud the game for saying like. In these types of situations where she's like, you're an idiot, you know, I guess I'll help you, whatever. You know, there's definitely those types of situations where she does kind of feel a little, you know, like put out a little bit to go do this thing. You know, it's like, well, okay, okay, if I do this thing, will you help me? Like, if I do this thing, will will you help me with this thing? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of those types of situations. And I applaud the game for putting that in there because she's trying to figure out what happened at the proving, right? That's the main goal. But then everyone else's problems become her problems. So it's like, I'm just trying to do this one thing and I have all of this other stuff going on. I think that speaks really well to what you're saying about she inherently goes at, you know, into this evolution as a character through the entire game. And until you actually see that through, it's really hard to have a sense of how Aloy truly is. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. And I like a lot of what you said there. I think that, you know, she's very relatable in kind of uh, some of that. Because, yeah, it's human. It's not like she's this, um, like, happy-go-lucky person who's like, oh, I'll help you and help you and help you. She's like, <laughs> okay, I'll help you. Because she knows it's the right thing to do. And yes. um, even if it's a hindrance, and a lot of times those side quests can really take you away from what you are trying to do. Yes. Um, she knows it's the right thing to do. And, um, you know it's kind of interesting because that's relatable Um, that feeling. I think, you know, just because you do something good doesn't mean that you're always, you know, super, super happy to do it, (laughs) which is, you know, not the best thing, but it's, it's kind of a human uh, trait. I disagree with you actually. Um, I don't think that her entire journey is completely just based off of revenge. I think that that might be the start of it after Ross dies at proving but I think that she grows as it's going and as she's learning more information and she's learning about, you know, Hades and what the plan is and all this stuff. I think that eventually it kind of opens her eyes to like the shadow cards are, are just a pawn in this. And, you know, this guy that killed Ross, they're just a pawn. They're not the actual problem. Um, you know, Hades is the problem. And I think that as she's kind of learning and she's figuring out that, wow, it's much bigger than just, you know, these guys killed Ross. I have to go and you know get them back for that. And I'm glad that it's kind of bigger than that, because I think that I wouldn't enjoy this story nearly as much if it's just a revenge story, because yeah. that's not very deep at all. But no, she's growing um, and maturing as she's learning more and more about it. And her motives are changing as the story goes. And I think that's a very human part of it, too, and makes it relatable as well, Um, because she has that emotion there at the beginning of, like, I need revenge, but that changes once she takes in more information. She kind of gets more perspective on what's actually happening. Yeah, and I I should have worded that pretty much how you did is I think in the beginning, whenever there's still a sense of ignorance and a a sense of exposition that's missing where you don't really see the bigger picture for the first seven, eight, nine hours where you don't really know what's going on. It's like, 
I gotta find out what happened to Rost. And that's definitely where I think it starts. And it's interesting they they decide to put the story there first. But yeah, once you learn about like Elizabeth Sobek and uh, you know, yeah. Hades and Gaia and all that stuff, then yes, it turns into a completely different type of situation, you know. Um yep. so yeah, that's well said. I, I th- thank you and for you can, checking. And you can see and you can see in that final battle um that she has with the Shadow Karja, she feels kind of bad for them. And they put her through some like, you know, some crap. You know, she's gone yeah. through it. But she feels she's bad for them because they're just because they're just another tribe that have this misunderstanding and this mi- religious misunderstanding of the machines. Yes. They're just pawns. And, just pawns. and it's like they're dealing with something that's way beyond them. And they've just been misled. And she kind of, she has that almost like she feels sorrow and bad for them. And it's not necessarily, you know, out of hatred and revenge, you know, that she's having to do what she's doing. She's having to do it for the greater good of like, you know, mankind. It's, it's, right. it's really interesting and kind of her, seeing her growth throughout the game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And that's a really good point. Like it is, it, it's just each, each tribe, whenever you finally figure out what's going on and just kind of hearing the way each tribe, like even the Banuk, like the way they talk about the machines and the way the shadow card, it's like, nope, that's not it at all, actually. You know, and it just nope. goes to yeah. show how so, you know, that that's a good mirror for today too, where each person thinks that what they're doing is the right thing. And each person inherently, whenever you hear someone saying something wrong about any particular subject, you know, religion's a good example. Like there's so many people out there, it's like, nope, that's not, that's not right, you know, and you have all these different angles coming at it, and it's like, it, it just doesn't get anywhere, but with, with Aloy, it's kind of nice to be able to be in her shoes and have a clear understanding of exactly what's going on and, yep. and have it right from the beginning, like, that's, that's a really cool feeling to have. I wanted to talk uh, just a second about a character you encounter who's helping you through the game, you know, his name's Silence, right, and he was the one that basically had an had a he basically made the shadow karja right i mean like he he kind of started the tribe like he's the one that found well, hades go ahead yeah he's the one that at least led them to hades and has gotten them onto this path that they're on he didn't necessarily start them but yeah he's the one that kind of got them onto that path <laughs> right yeah so we get the sense that like oh you know you got to stop hades and do this thing whatever I surmise that at the end of the game, he used Aloy to basically stop the Shadow Karja because the Shadow Karja had essentially become too big of a thing for him to control at this point to where now he right. needed to get the Shadow Karja out of the way. That way he could get back to his work with Hades, correct? Right. Right. Because that's the thing that's interesting. So Silence is a perfect contrasting character to um, um, Aloy um, because Aloy's not selfish and she's like kind of out there looking for knowledge and trying to learn um but she's also selfless in that she's willing to you know help people silence could care less about other people he just wants to know as much as possible and he has this desire for information but it's all based on like selfishness yeah um whereas with aloy it's contrasted and it's not so much about um it's about how she can help other people yeah and it is it is kind of interesting how whenever you defeat Hades, you know, this artificial intelligence, basically. You had all these, you know, Gaia was made up of, um, or was being supplemented by all these different particular artificial intelligences that did different things. And Hades was the yep. one that was like, okay, 
if if everything goes safe. down, yeah, exactly. If everything goes yeah. down, like Hades is is the one that's trying to shut everything down, and that's exactly what's happening in Horizon Zero Dawn. Is Hades has has essentially said, "Oh, my goal is to." you know, it's malfunction. It's like, okay, my goal is to now rid the earth, like scrape the earth, make it, make it bare again. But basically let's start over. Um, yeah. But whenever it's like you... Hades itself is malfunctioning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hades hasn't Hades, you know, that's the big thing with AI. Like the AI is designed to do a specific thing, but it sees humankind as being the biggest threat to the earth, which is an inter- yeah. which is another interesting concept. Whenever you think about what we've been talking about. Um, but just whenever, whenever you beat Hades and like you stab it with the spear and silence gave you that spear intentionally because he knew exactly what would happen whenever you, you know, inevitably would, would win. Hades goes back to silence and we have a stinger left with us at the end of this game of, okay, now we are, we see what forbidden West is about to be about. And I like how they mentioned forbidden West throughout the game and kind of talk about that's kind of where these people came from, like all the invaders from the West and all this stuff. And, um, I'm interested to see what happens and, and what Silence's role plays because it leaves us like seeing one of the metal devils, right? Um, with, you know, Silence is in front of it, one of the big, the big bad machines with the tentacles and stuff like that. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Are you happy with the way this game ended? Um, I am. Yeah. I, I think, I think it ends it on a good point and it leaves you wanting for more. I mean, you want to see what in the world Silence is up to and, uh, I think it's cool that she was able to actually go. She's able to find uh, Elizabeth Sobek. And yeah, I think it's a good ending to the game. And uh, it makes me really, I just cannot wait for uh, Forbidden West. It's pretty awesome. I was going to ask, um, do you know like kind of the area or setting of uh, Zero Dawn? Like whereabouts yeah. it's actually like set? I wanted yeah. to ask you about that too, because there's a portion of the game where I'm like, Am I in the Grand Canyon? Um yeah. Because, it, so I'm, I'm assuming it's like, you know, because we see San Francisco in the Forbidden West trailer, you know, with like the degraded uh, Golden Gate Bridge, right? So I'm assuming it's more of just off of that, that Western coast type thing, like kind of around like Texas and uh, like Portland, Seattle, stuff like that, like in that area. Is that, is that right? Yep. Um, so no, um, well, it's actually, so it's encompassing of mostly like Colorado, Utah, um, a little bit of like Wyoming, um, a little bit of Montana, especially like in the frozen wilds. Cause you, ha- in the frozen wilds, you're in Yellowstone. So, uh, the, where the Nora are in the first little areas that you go to that are like ruins, you have like Colorado Springs and Denver. And there's like actual monuments, um, like that stadium that you go into the, near the beginning um is like actually like denver stadium like or mile high i think mile high stadium or one of those stadiums like it's like an actual place actual football stadium and then like in colorado springs there's actual like relics there to what the city actually was and then you go out and i think you end up like in like uh utah and i think yeah i think part of like the grand canyon-esque area is kind of there too but it's kind of cool where they're able to like include these like this area and then yeah eventually you're going to go more west of that so i'm really curious in forbidden west what we're going to get whether we might get like something like kind of vegasy like uh oh, old be so awesome. las vegas which would be super cool but also like, like vegas. san francisco oh my god yeah if we like get a like a san vegas francisco vibe. and um 
in LA maybe, or, you know, Seattle, you know, whatever that might be. It's a lot of options, but it's pretty cool. Some of the little Easter eggs that they're able to put just in that area that was in the Colorado kind of area uh, for uh, Zero Dawn. Yeah, because there's, there's one vantage and, and, you know, like I have a general idea, you know, like uh, geography, but I'm not like a pro, you know what I mean? I, I've <laughs> always sucked at geography. So I know like whenever I saw the trailer of um, Forbidden West and then whenever I found myself kind of in like the Grand Canyon area, I was like, oh my God, well, I don't know where the Grand Canyon is, but it's got to be, you know, just it's it's around that area, you know what I mean? So, right. um it's but out yeah, there somewhere. <laughs> it's out there somewhere. It's out there. It's 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 not. It's it's east of the west, right? Just barely, yeah. kind of, and somewhere in there. <laughs> right. But um, there was one vantage where I'm like, "This is Red Rocks." Yeah, like totally, like from that, and so yeah, and I couldn't remember exactly where Red Rocks was, but yeah, like you totally get that, and I, and I love that they did that because that's something they did in Red Dead as well, to where you really felt like you were getting different biomes different uh different um just feels and themes of of where they were trying to emulate that you were you know whether it be like in the louisiana area or yeah just just the different places but yeah i I love that they did that and i love that they made you think about um where exactly you were so frozen wilds is yellowstone Mm -hmm. man i didn't know that that's awesome that's really cool. Yeah, because there's like uh, old glory is like in there somewhere. And oh uh, yeah, the, yeah, the 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 um, what do they call it? The, the geysers. The, the geysers. Yes, thank you. Yeah. It was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, 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 cause yeah. Those are those are all over the place in the frozen wild. Man, that's freaking awesome. That's that's awesome. Yeah, they're yeah, and we we will do a frozen wilds episode because that's a whole other conversation. But overall, like this is game. This game is quite the journey, and then it boils down to. Like the things that I don't like about it, and I do want to ask you what the things you don't like about it are, um, if there are any. Because the things that that come down to it to me are they're they are nitpicks, but it's such a big game that the frequency of them for me, I you have to try and put the 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 cap on or the the average gamer cap of okay, is the average gamer going to enjoy dealing with Glintox is the average gamer going to enjoy the very difficult boss battles and realize I'm, I'm only two levels under level what this quest is recommending me and I'm getting pwned. You know what I mean? And we, we didn't really talk about the boss battles that much with certain machines, but there is like a souls aspect to this game to where it's punishingly hard. And I feel like, the world is so vibrant and everything else works so good that the the game invites you. And there's so many things to do. The game invites you to spend a lot of time there, no matter what. And you will spend a lot of time there. But there are those few things that do happen every once in a while and sometimes more frequently than others where I'm like, God dang it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm irritated right now. Is the average gamer going to feel that way? You know, I'm not going to argue that point because you can't you can't put yourself in the position of other people and say they would or would not feel this way, which I think the Metacritic score you know, is pretty warranted. Um, so we're going to give it a, a rating out of 10. And obviously I, I, I stood at a B plus, you know what I mean? Which is, I think is a great score, but I wanted to ask you what were the things that maybe stood out to you as being a little irritating or the things that you didn't necessarily enjoy? Um, so I think there's not a whole lot there. Um, and this is the, I think the one thing I've chosen to kind of like, point out is something that I think a lot of people that 
play open world games and survival games are just gonna like make fun of me for i hate crafting <laughs> and i hate <laughs> there being a limit as to how much i can carry like because here's the thing there's no way that she's carrying all that stuff like anyway so why is there a limit yeah why does it matter <laughs> like, why does it matter <laughs> like um there's no way she's carrying all of that stuff like no anyways <laughs> like there's no way so why is there a limit to it just seems silly like it's a game but and i i don't genuinely enjoy crafting and i get it like you kind of have to um to and again it's part of the immersion of the game i've talked about that and there's super like you feel that immersion but i just don't particularly enjoy it and i hate like the <laughs> i hate having to go and you run out of a material that you yes. need for a specific thing yes mid battle and yes. like crap i need one more fire arrow and i don't have enough you know whatever to make it and i'm halfway yeah. through the battle and now i'm gonna die like I, I i hate that part of it and i know that's you know in whatever game that you're in if it's, especially if it's a combat game it's like eventually you're gonna run out of ammo but it's just uh i hate like i'm like i have 20 turkey skins or whatever i can't do anything with that but i don't yeah. have the one thing i need to make a fire arrow it's 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 yeah. frustrating Totally. And I, I think that's kind of the thing um, for me, um, but that's super nitpicky and that's literally basically it, I think. Yeah, and, it, that, the, and that kind of falls into the thing I'm talking about as far as nitpicks go. It is a yeah. nitpick that you deal with consistently. A lot. The weapon, <laughs> yeah. the, we, the, the, the crafting wheel, the, the materials, it's like, oh, well, frick, I have a thousand wood. Maybe I won't need to, you know, harvest anymore. The game wants you. I don't want to just yeah. continue. I don't want to constantly be walking, going around, and picking stuff picking up. Stuff up. <laughs> I don't want to be doing that. Like, and you, <laughs> you yeah. spend the majority of your time in this game is spent on running and crafting, like yeah. running around, picking things up, whether that be to craft a material or to craft an object or to, um, you know, get health and also. Make the health potions more accessible, please. I don't want to just have to rely on um, oh my herbs. Gosh. Make don't make so many different colors of health herbs. Make one color red. That's it. There'd yeah. be th things I'm like, oh, that that's red. That must be health. Nope, that's for a, a trap or whatever. Which traps yeah, I didn't really part, use that much. Like I never, I I never use traps either. So that part was frustrating too. I wish there was all. I wish it was less or less complicated to craft i mean i get it like you have to do a lot of crafting and it's not nearly as complicated as i'm sure other open world games are or you know survival games are but i do wish that there was i hated running around and uh oh it's a shock wax root instead of it being a medicinal herb uh, it's yes. like it's the worst i'm like i don't need these stupid shock wax roots yes like <laughs> taking I up space health. in my bag i need health it's yeah like, exactly and that is one thing that i pick. One thing that I wish would have been different just in the flow of combat is if you don't have herbs, how am I supposed to be ready for any type of situation whenever there's not health plentiful? You know what I mean? I get what they're trying to do. Like it's a it's a savage world. Like you got to be careful. It's like there's so many freaking machines around here right now and like five herbs. How am I supposed to be alive? So one thing that I think would have helped with the flow of combat in a way Make your health regenerate. Don't give us so much options for health. Like, don't give us three extra bars of health, essentially. Like, or, you know, like three extra pouches to hold materials or whatever. Like, make our health just slowly regenerate to where 
it, it makes us focus on the task at hand. We're running around the machines and our health is slowly regenerating as we're going along. That could have been a health, that could have been a, a skill tree of, hey, you know, your health regenerates at, you know, 10% faster or whatever. You know, we see that done in games all the time. I just feel like they kind of went out of their way. And, and granted, this game came out, you know, just a couple of years after, you know, just a few years after the PS4 came out, which feels weird to say. But that being said, so, you know, for an earlier game, it does a really good job of that. But I, I, I hope they fix it in the next one because that was something that came to mind often. And I'm with you on the crafting. Like, it just felt a little, I felt like I was in my menus a little too much, you know? And yep. again, it is a nitpicky thing. Yeah. Go ahead. I hate having to waste time on managing my inventory. Yes. And that's exactly what I'm getting at as far as, you know, I said something in my review, like, okay, most of the time is spent around going to do objectives and deal with machines. Then you craft some stuff, you know, upgrade your stuff. Then you go deal with more machines. That's the gameplay loop. And that's fine. It is fun. But you do spend a lot of your time run, running, running around. And I'm like, I, ha I have to keep as many freaking fast travel kits on me at all times because I'm not going to spend – if there was people that didn't realize that you could fast travel in this game – it would double your time. <laughs> it would double your time in the game. Yeah. Just running around yeah. and doing stuff. So, yep. you know, uh, in a weird way, it is kind of meditative. Like, I rarely fast traveled in Red Dead 2 because I loved being on my horse and I loved thinking on my horse. Like, I would be, like, thinking about my day. And it was, like, this really weird meditative meditative thing like like Minecraft. You know, it's just super simple. You know, you're running around. And I do feel like they tried to execute that in this game. Um, and in some ways it worked. Like some days it'd be like, it's 800 meters away or 800 yard, however long away. Yeah. Okay. I'll walk, I'll run, whatever. I want to, you know, look at the landscapes and maybe I'll find something cool along the way. So it, it does find this weird balance of this is really fun versus like, okay, this is annoying. So again, nitpicks that do occur quite often. Was there anything else mm -hmm. that kind of bugged you about the game? Uh, not really. Storm birds are really hard to kill. <laughs> but oh my god! I can't super fault it. I can't super fault it for that. Um, they are hard fine. to kill, but they like, are so fun. Yeah. Well, here's here's one of my favorite parts of the game, and I didn't figure this out until the second time I played through it. Is being able to tear off some of the weapons from various machines and then use those weapons against them yes. is so cool. That's it's, how I killed every single yeah every single Thunderjaw. Like every single thunder yep. I could, I'm like, oh Getting my god! Getting those disc launchers. Yes. Oh my god! Or the, so uh, much fun. Oh man, what are those called? There's a one of the machines. It's like a big cat, but it has a cannon on its back, and you can oh. tear off that cannon, and it's like a laser machine gun. And yeah, and you pick it's up a, and use. Frick! What was that called? It wasn't. It was like the bigger version of the sawtooth. Yeah, it's not a sawtooth. It's uh, something different. It's not. It's in like an yeah. Man. Well, it's not a stalker either. The stalkers are annoying. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I did not like them either. Like I don't, that little I don't that like little tailspin. In, yeah. Yeah, that like little tailspin that they would do. It's like if that hits you, you're dead. Um yep. I don't I yeah. don't like an invisible enemy. <laughs> Those yeah. aren't fun. And the I mean kind of the same goes for the uh um uh, rock breakers too those are those oh are my tough. god didn't fight them rock. until that was like the last trophy i needed to get the platinum yeah. was like kill every type of acquisition machine or something like that yeah they were the last machine i had to kill which was kind of fun in a way because yeah. i was like 
how, how, how? Like, this is the hardest machine in the game, in my opinion. Yep. Like, yeah. easily. Why have I never encountered them until now? You know what I mean? I've, I've seen more Thunderjaws. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm it's right. Because they're under the ground. They are. They're just doing their thing. Um, yep. It was kind of funny. I actually killed a corrupted rock breaker before I killed a regular rock breaker, but it didn't give me the trophy. You had to kill just a regular rock breaker to get the acquisition trophy, which was kind of interesting. And they, those, uh, it feels like tremors, you know? Yes, very much so. (laughs) It's very like, because you'll just be walking along and it's just like, boom, boom, like out of the ground. Exactly. And Aloy's like, oh, like, Sometimes she would take hits and I'd be like, oh, in the face. You know what I mean? Like, like it, it, she does get just like thrown around like a sack of potatoes. And she's she's a fighter. Like, yeah. just her, her just being able to utilize her skill sets and like maneuver around the machines. It's like, wow, that's pretty impressive, you know. So, but there are times where if you don't know what you're doing, man, is it frustrating. Go I will ahead. say one thing. One thing that makes this game so much. I am so glad that there's not like a stamina bar. Oh um, uh, yeah, like uh, for example, like Jedi Fallen Order, it gets kind of annoying that there's like stamina that I'm also having to pay attention to. Yeah, like you're a Jedi, never, like come on, yeah. man up and just flip or <laughs> do whatever you need to do. Keep but wall I'm, running. Yeah, exactly. But uh, um, th- I'm so glad that there isn't because you can you can have a really tough enemy, and there's some very tough enemies. But man, she'll just you know keep doing her thing of just rolling or like just roll and roll and roll yeah exactly it was yeah how are you doing that yeah yeah don't even get me started what jedi fallen order that's got to be a different game club because i got some stuff to say about that one at some point but yeah i totally agree <laughs> with you i'm glad that there wasn't another layer of management in terms oh of how much stamina you had. you know how much it would suck to where if you were running around you had to because in skyrim you have to do that in Skyrim, you can only sprint for a certain amount of time before you have to let off and then let it oh. recharge. Could you imagine if you were like trying to like, you know, sprint around or like roll around and like you run out of it and like she moves kind of slow and then boom, you know what I mean? Like that would freaking suck. Yeah, that would drive drive me crazy. Yeah, but thank God but, it's not in there. And I think that's one of the things that makes the combat enjoyable is, you know, just a simple little thing like that to work. Sure, it doesn't make any sense. But again, this is a video game. Not everything has to be realistic. So uh, yeah. And not everything – you can – I would argue that there would probably be certain things about this game that if you made it any different, it wouldn't make it feel as balanced, you know. And I do think that this game, although not perfect, is a pretty balanced experience through and through. And And that's what you want. It does a good job of rewarding you too just for – you know, for it rewards you for getting good at the game. Um, Yes. While also – still being accessible, I think, for most people to be able to pick up and play. That's very well put, yes. And it rewards you in that, like, when you go to the Frozen Wilds and you're, like, if you hadn't played in the, the game in a while and you go to Frozen Wilds, you're like, <laughs> You're getting wrecked, crap. like, right yeah. off the bat. <laughs> Which is, it's kind of funny because, yeah. you know, it's like picking up the game, but that's what you want. You want people yeah. to come back to it and want to try and get good at it again. Yeah. So, yep. um, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we end this particular part? Um, no, I'll just say one one more little thing. Um, I've never had a story, like, just, like, hit the pit of my stomach. Like, the realization of, I mean, spoilers alert, but we've been over that. Um, the realization where they basically had to let the world and everyone on it die in order to win, um, like, in the past. 
that like hits in like such it hit me in such a way of like where they're they had to accept that there was no hope for the future of them surviving and then keep working towards this thing so that there would be a future 500 years down the road that hit me so hard and just like it makes it like made me sick like i've never had a game or i think a media or any type of media or entertainment hit me like that to where it's like oh like that sucks but i think that's one of the things i loved it so much about it is like yeah. i never had a anything hit me like that it was so hard hitting i and it made me love the story that much more because i didn't expect that yeah. um when it first came through I, I did not expect that to be the answer to what actually happened i was like wow that was that was pretty cool especially whenever you do find elizabeth sobeck and that armor you know like yeah. at her yeah. ranch i was like wow Yep. You know, and just kind of seeing Aloy, Aloy showing a little bit of emotion for once, you know what yep. I mean? Doing her thing that, that made it hit even harder. Yep. Um, but it's so funny because, you know, at the beginning of the review, we talked about Breath of the Wild and how in a lot of ways, mm. the plot is actually pretty similar because the entire time you've been asleep for a hundred years and you wake up and you find out like all these people died to try and like keep you alive. <laughs> is what happened and you're you know it's it's kind of a funny thing that those two games parallel in that way and just kind of uncovering the mystery it is th th if you're in it just for the story you will not be let down if you play this game no way no, like it's 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 a, it's a great game so do it for the story do it for the story and then see what else you know see what other tidbits that you know you really enjoy so yep. but i think now caleb this has been a pretty good discussion, pretty lengthy. I feel like it's time now to give this sco a score. Yep. So I'm going to let you go because you know roughly about where I stand. I want to know what yeah. your score is. Um, so my score, I'm going to give it a 9.5. And, I mean, that's really high. Um, I mean, I think I've rated a lot of different stuff on this podcast with you or various podcasts with you. And one of the highest scores I've ever given out. But I really do love this game. I think that – even the annoyances and the nitpicky things that I don't like, they're not so bad as to take away the enjoyment of the game from me. And while, you know, while it might be annoying, it's just, I can't dock it any more than half a point for that. There's, there's just not too many things in this game that are just not enjoyable. It's just, I enjoyed this game so much. It's so much fun. Um, the story is so awesome and unique and, uh, just enjoyable to kind of go through and you the world is so immersive and unique in itself too it's just i really do i really enjoy this game and yeah that's my score 9.5 i think that is the highest score you've ever given on any of our podcasts which is great i think i think i've given like maybe empire strikes back maybe oh yeah 9.5 before but i think that's yeah. the only other thing i mean which that's high praise yeah. too you know what i mean yeah yeah, But, you know, objectively, I think that's a good score, you know, and I do think, you know, we are definitely two different types of gamers um, mm -hmm. and that's fine. And, and it's, I hate whenever people judge other people or, or, you know, look down on other people. It's like, well, I played X amount of games or I put, I put this much time into it. So my opinion must be better than yours. No, like no. games mean different things to different people. That's not the point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's just kind of interesting to me because for me, you being the type of person that's never played a game like this before, and this is your first experience, if I had never played Skyrim or any of these other games that I played, Red Dead 2, whatever, going into this, it would be like, 
okay, yeah, this is freaking awesome. And it is freaking awesome. Um, and it, it is, and it is even hard to talk about this game without comparing it to games of a similar likeness, you know, that, that do a similar thing. At the end of the day, for me, you know, I gave it a B plus on, um, I gave it a B plus on my YouTube channel. And as of right now, I still stick with that score because the things for me just being like, if you're the type of, if I'm the way I approach my process is if you're the type of gamer that's interested in everything and wants to play everything and you look at games a specific way or even a similar way as, as me, which I feel like a lot of people in the industry, you know, like nine times out of 10, if I, if I'm listening to 10, 12 different podcasts, I'm agreeing with, it's like, Oh yeah, I agree with that exact same thing that you just said, because that seems about, you know, that seems about on par with the average hardcore gamer. Right. I'm going to, I'm still going to stick with the same score that I gave it. Um, I think an 8.5 is an inherent, like, this is a great, this is, this is a great, and you know, we'll do this. I'll, I will bump it up to a nine. And I would say like, after having this discussion and being able to talk through it a little bit, it does fall somewhere between the A minus and B plus category, you know, for me. So if I'm going to have to put a 10 point scale on it, I'm going to go nine out of 10 because it is a, it is an amazing experience with a handful of things that at one point in time will irritate you, whether it be the meticulous crafting system and, and, you know, being in the menus, like being in the moment, being like, frick, I'm out of arrows, going to craft, whatever, whether it be being under leveled, you know, and realizing, Hey, um, I need to level up before I go fight this thing more or being the level you are supposed to be, but still having a difficult time, like kind of figuring out how you're supposed to kill this thing and dying over and over again to like figure out how you're supposed to kill this thing. Or just the small little bits of annoyances like Glintox and the amount of times you will encounter Glintox. You may not have it, but I do think that there is a good chance at one point in time you're just like, God, I don't want to be dealing with these Glintox right now. I feel like there's enough there for me to personally say, okay, I'm going to take a point away, but it doesn't take away from the overall great experience that this game gives. So it's a 9 out of 10 for me. I think that's fair. Totally fair. I do too. One other little thing I wanted to mention just real quick. The score is awesome. Like the music is great. Just oh my God. It yeah. really, really adds to the aesthetic and the feel of the game too. It's yeah. Awesome. And I, yeah, that, that was something that I'm going to be looking for a vinyl of this game. Um, because yeah, like r- running around Meridian, I'm like, Oh my God, like this is really, this is putting out the vibes and you love to see it. So thank you for mentioning that. But well, you can stay tuned for me and Caleb's next review because what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, is we are going to put out our review of The Frozen Wilds. So The Frozen Wilds will be in a couple of weeks, something like that. We'll make it happen. And then, Caleb, are we committing to doing The Forbidden West right now as well? Yeah, might as well. I mean, why not? I, yeah, I don't see why, you know, after we've really taken our time with it and played it. Um, yeah, I think On it would PS5. be... PS5. On the PS5, baby. Let's go. But you know what's kind of funny is I'm actually considering buying PS4 versions of the same game for quite some time until I can't anymore because it's cheaper, for one. And um, there's actually a really good chance that if you buy the PS4 version of the game, you know, a year or two later, whenever the PS5 version's on sale, you can go through it again and get another set of trophies. So I'm probably going to end up doing that, to be honest. Like, I think the only PS5 game that I'm going to buy 
is Miles Morales because I want to go through Marvel Spider-Man again and get another set of trophies and get another platinum. So, you know, that's just how it goes. But I am excited. Just give us the PS5. I'm ready. I'm ready. You know what I mean? I'm sure we'll talk about it. Do you have yours pre-ordered? No, I don't. I mean, but okay. I, I've said I've said that before on here before. Um, I'm not nearly as avid in gamer. Um, I'll get a PS5 whenever I get a PS5. Like, I'm not too concerned about it. <laughs> Very nice. I want to have one for the show. So, you yeah. know, tax write-off. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. But, Caleb, it's been a pleasure as usual. Thank you for taking the time. Um, you know, I look forward to having more shows in the future and talking about more horizon next time. So thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you want to go just really fast, if you want to go to popcultusa.com, they got a bunch of cool swag over there. You can use my personal code, the underscore want to be critic to get 30% off your entire order. Caleb, do you hear of sponsorship spots ever giving away 30%? No, never. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, you can get a lot off a stack of T-shirts, a hat, whatever you want. So go check that out. That's popcultusa.com, the underscore wannabe critic. And I'm still trying to work on getting my crew um, in with that company as well because, you know, we need we need some full representation on the wannabe critic podcast. We're, we're pretty <laughs> active. We do a good job. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. Humble brag. No problem. Uh <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. We, we love you. If you have any feedback, you know where to reach us, the email address, um, all the social medias. You can find me on Instagram at the wannabe critic, whatever. Caleb, do you want people to be able to find you? Yeah, at chief NNY18 on Twitter. So you can come and yell at me there. Yeah. Caleb is not only a gaming r- reviewer and just a podcaster, but Caleb is also a avid football watcher and somewhat of an expert. So go check him out over on Twitter. He has good takes. That's going to wrap it up for us here. We, uh, we appreciate you. So thank you for tuning in and thank you for preparing yourselves for a plethora of hot takes and potentially unpopular opinions. We will see you next time. Say goodbye, Caleb. Bye, everyone.